It's a lawless world. Podcasts fill the streets. It's up to two men who bring order to the chaos. The Hardcasters. Hello, everyone. It's the Hardcasters again, and this is the podcast that does its business so badly that uh, it's frozen in time and reawoken many years later to confront uh, the consequences of its own actions. Um, and today, myself, Dominic Deplum, and my uh, eager partner, uh, Dick Visage, will be, well, I say we're going to do stuff slightly differently. I mean, I think we've kind of established this many podcasts in a co- what might appear to be a formula of picking an actor and then picking one of their less obvious films. Um, and there's going to be a bit of preamble here because obviously we haven't talked about Stallone yet. Um, and I think really because all of his action films, especially in the kind of golden era we're talking about, have all been actually big ones. There's no kind of ones left behind or one ones ignored. Um, but also I want to sort of say that, you know, as we get, as we go on and on, we're not just going to stick to actors. We're going to look at um, directors. We're also going to look at just films that have slipped through the net and, and stuff like that. But the actor we wanted to talk about, and we are going to talk about a lot today, is an actor who is a proper actor um, and has kind of gained the reputation of being an action star. Not fairly, really, because actually he's done very few straight action movies. And that is Mr. Wesley Snipes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he deserves that fanfare. He does. Um, That's, I hope that follows he, him round. I hope he gets that fanfare yeah. wherever he goes. He's, he's, he's an odd one because, you know, this is a guy that is a proper actor and, as you know, can, give, can deliver a performance. He's also very good at comedy. He's a very, very funny performer, very charismatic he also happens to be a legit martial artist. And I think you can see in, in a lot of his films, there are some flashes of being able to kick and punch and some uh, explosive body language, but he never really gets like a sustained martial arts sequence. No. It wasn't until I saw Blade, I was like, oh shit, this guy can, can fight. Yeah. And it, it, it seems weird that that doesn't really come to the foreground um, you know, he could have easily made every film that Van Damme made, or you know, not that I think he's 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 desperate to, but it's 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 surprising that he's so versatile an actor and capable of such good action, but not always in that role. Um, and so today we're going to talk about probably something that's less that you're less expected. We're not going for a more obscure film. Um, I did watch Drop Zone recently. Um, and I don't think it's 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 got its merits, but I don't think it quite goes um, full action. Fit, yeah, it's mostly skydiving. Uh, and as much as you see a a, a a Gary Busey fly through the windscreen of a van, um, you see that every day in Hollywood. To be fair, every day in Hollywood, exactly. You yeah, see just that. walk out onto the street. So, um, so you'd think we'd probably go Passenger Fifty Seven, but we're not. We are going to talk Demolition Man, and for a number of reasons. One, it kind of hits Stallone. Um, although we're actually not going to talk about Sloane much. We're going to save him for, for another time. Um, but I think this is the film, for me, that really made Wesley Snipes stand out. And, I, and again, some people might think that's not true because obviously he had a career before that and he had some good acting jobs. But I think this him in Demolition Man is not only a kind of film-stealing performance in a sense that actually when I think of all the scenes I like from Demolition Man, Wesley Snipes is in the centre of most of them. It's the kind of thing where you think, oh, no, this guy's got everything. Um, so th- I think it's a good one to choose. Plus, you know, who, who doesn't like Demolition Man? Exactly. exactly. And I think it also means that because this is probably one of the, one of the more mainstream not that any of our films have been particularly arty or, or cult, counterculture or whatever, but this is, this, is, this is the kind of biggest budget film we've reviewed or talked about. I don't think we need to go over the plot. I think everyone knows what Demolition Man is. And if you don't, shame on you. What's wrong with you? I, I'm going to interject as well because I'm yes. watching this. I watched it twice recently. And I think 
it's an action film, but I also think it's, a, it's another hybrid film. I actually think it's a it's a comic book film because it, yeah. it ticks. If you tick all the boxes of a comic book film, it's got that. So mm. Demolition Man, so it's got the kind of comic book name. It's kind of got that kind of high concept. Someone gets powers. In this case, it's Snipes that gets the powers. He kind of wakes yeah. up reanimated with super heightened uh, strength and super heightened. Um, intelligence because you can figure everything out really quickly, and yeah. even the, the 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 you know the, the San Andreas or San Angeles kind of metroplex they live in feels a bit like a comic book landscape where it's kind of it's it's very looks very kind of like a futuristic city and it's kind of run by a Nigel Hawthorne who's really really good but Nigel Hawthorne doesn't play a, a an action villain he plays like a supervillain. He's got this yes. kind of long, flowy kind of outfit, and he feels very much like a, some sort of evil kind of genius. You don't, to be fair, frustratingly, you don't find out too much of his backstory, which is quite a shame because he's really good in it. But I think because mm. obviously Snipes is the main villain, he takes a lot of that time away. Even to the fact yeah. that I always like this: that Snipes has got a a comic book villain knife. So at the start, when he stabs yes. all the barrels. He's got a huge silver knife with a massive skull in it. Which, to be fair, yeah. why would you have that knife? You can't carry that knife yeah. around because it doesn't fit no. anywhere. He's clearly just got that because he's an evil just villain. Just for the show. Yeah. Well, look at his stripy trousers. I mean, that's the thing when I watched it again recently, it, it struck me at how much Simon Phoenix is kind of the Joker in this. Mm. Um, Even his layer at the beginning. He breaks into it looks like a yeah. very kind of Joker-esque layer, doesn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, this film opens big um and it opens in a way that's one of these things that actually part of me is disappointed we never got to see just an action film set in that futurescape because i mean this this was what 93 94 yeah demolition man and it's set in 1999 isn't it isn't it kind of set yeah so it starts in the future anyway doesn't it It yeah now early 90s los angeles at least from a cinematic landscape with us living over here in the UK, you know, it, it was never pre- presented as a nice place. It was either gang warfare, kind of seediness or crime and, you know, uh, uh, dodgy police. Now, obviously, I think for a lot of people living in LA in the early 90s, you know, it was very much a reality. But it's not surprising that the future LA that they have in a film made at that period is... An absolute disaster, and we 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 fly over the Hollywood sign in flames to uh, a Hollywood that literally looks like a slum. It's on fire. It's borderline post-apocalyptic. Um, John Spartan, which is um, you know, he's a kind of militaristic police character flying in in, a, in an armored helicopter. He bungee jumps out the back of the helicopter and just goes to town on the bad guys inside. Um, and this is proper action movie stuff it's proper crunchy impactful stylized over the top um satisfying ass kicking um again to the degree where i actually i'd wanted to see i would like to see spartan work a case in 1999 for a feature film absolutely um now something that, that throws up here and I, I don't know whether I'm, I'm correcting this this is an assumption i've made but obviously um john woo was was predominantly making his classics in the late 80s going up to the early 90s. So um, I think I think Hard Boiled was 93, 94, yeah. but Killer, 89, Bullet in the Head, 1991, something like that. Um, and early 90s US cinema suddenly became very stylized. You had people like Tony Scott working and slow motion was starting to get used, not just to extend car crash or explosions, but in shootouts bit more sort of peck and parish people started carrying two guns rather than one yeah and obviously there's the peck and par influence as well maybe it was something that was just this kind of dual synchronicity mm. or maybe you know a lot of directors had seen john woo films but again you know sloan's running around this place in slow motion firing two guns it just felt very early 90s and he jumps um, out of the plane shouting the bad guy's name doesn't he Yes, but that's no, great. I don't well. know that's... why, though, because no one else is not very yeah. benefit, is it? It's not like, you know, Simon Physics is sat in the basement and you can just hear this wailing over, who's that? Oh, 
you know, um, it, yeah, John it's Spartan bizarre. again. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this it, this very much feels like the climax to a um, uh, a feature film that's already happened. Now, obviously, some some hostages get blown up. Spartan is blamed, frozen, uh, along with Simon Phoenix. But then Simon Phoenix is awoken in the future, in this utopian future, um, and which begets some kind of conspiracy. And um, it, uh, as you said, he's, he comes back into consciousness with a whole new set of skills. Um, since it's utopia and there's no violence and bad food and smoking and sex and kissing and all this kind of stuff is banned, it's just people living incredibly healthily. Mm. Um, the police are unequipped for anyone who uses violence. And so that he, Simon Phoenix just walks all over them. And, and that's where we meet Sandra Bullock's character who loves um, the kind of 80s and 90s. So she looks back on them with nostalgia and fondness. She's got posters of Lethal Weapon. Three, I think it might be, it maybe two, yeah. in an in a, in a, in a office. And she suggests unfreezing Spartan because he's the only person equipped to do it. And so what we have as a film is an absolute badass cop hunting down an absolute badass villain in the kindest, nicest, safest kind of world, future world yeah. with a cop who idolises the era of 80s and 90s action films much like we do. And this is the thing that, I, that struck me while watching this is that about two weeks before watching... Demolition Man, at the start of, we're recording this in lockdown. I don't know when this will be broadcast, but we're, that sounds like it's like a, a an apocalyptic message. I don't know when this will be broadcast. But You're probably but not far off, to be honest. Yeah, I hope this yeah, is one exactly. of the first things that, you know, a future society find in a thousand years. Yeah. Us if talking anyone can hear this shit. broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, uh, at the start of lockdown, I watched Last Action Hero. Brilliant. And again, I'm very conscious about getting to going all over the place. We haven't really talked about Wesley Snipes at all yet. Um, but Last Action Hero is a film that has so many great things in it and yet doesn't work. Like there's so many good stuff. There's points in that film where I was like really laughing and really excited. But all in all, it doesn't quite work. And it's trying to do the kind of meta mm. scream thing of commenting on a genre that it is. The problem being that it's about this idea of internal logic. For a slasher killer to operate, they don't need anything beyond the internal logic of a normal film. Mm. So uh, a group of characters aware of slasher films can uh, accommodate a slasher killer. You can't in a... So let's say, for example, we'll make an action film decided, oh, the, 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 the villain loves action movies. They can't just suddenly then decide to dive through the air firing two guns because it wouldn't fit the actual logic of the world. Yeah. That logic would have to exist, which means we're already in an action film. So the only way they can come up with it is this magic ticket thing. Mm. And the problem with, I think, with Last Action Hero is that it's a kid's movie about adult movies, which means that it's too edgy to be a kid's movie, yet the action sequences and the, the stuff that the main characters get involved in never feels like... The, the the movies that it's that it's representing so it never quite lands and i when i when it finished i was kind of thinking yeah you can't make that film you can't make a self-referential action movie and then i watched demolition man and i was like oh this is how you do it yeah this is this is that because this is this actually this is what last action hero was trying to do yeah absolutely and although i would argue there are there are fewer great individual moments or gags in Demolition Man, I think there are some real standout moments and sequences in in Last Action Hero. Demolition Man is by far a more consistent, more exciting, and smarter movie, and an entirely more sat, sort of satisfying and successful product. Um, it, it, you know, and it still holds up today as well. When you watch it back, absolutely. it feels like it's such a nice paced film. Um, yeah. Before we go on to Snipes, because I know we want to. There's a couple of things I wanted to bring up as well. When I watched it last yeah. night, I was a bit like, ooh. So the first one is, obviously Stallone has a, quite a scene when he talks about his wife beating her fists on the ice block. So we know, yeah. and then he says, oh, you know, she's dead. She bought it, and there was a big mm. earthquake that happened that kind of destroyed it, and that's why society's been rebuilt. Mm. Then we find out that he might have a daughter. 
So it, this mm. happens in the, uh, the car when I think it's uh, Sandra Bullock is driving Stallone back to this apartment where he's going to live and says, look, mm. you've got a daughter, she's still alive. I can find her. And he goes, no. About what you think is probably about an hour, two hours later in the film, he goes back to Sandra Bullock's apartment and basically says, do you want sex? He's like, yeah, all right then. So mm. he was he was distraught for about half an hour in in real time in this film when actually yeah. someone goes, do you, do you want sex? He's like, yeah, all right. Yeah. And he can't be bothered I, I to think, find his daughter. Yeah, that's actually weird. I, I remember thinking about how I'd forgotten that he had a wife and kid and the wife was dead. And there is a there is a moment where you think, oh, it's actually quite touching. And then he immediately becomes this just super horny, you know, alpha male character. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other things as well is for all this kind of self awareness and smartness, there are cut. There are two things this film does that are two little kind of action movie, not just action movie. Like one of them is probably just eighties, nineties movies. One of them is uh, definitely an action movie trend of cop characters who clearly spend every second of the day they're not policing in the gym mm. because they have no body fat and yet have appalling diets. Mm. So in Cobra, Stallone eats cold pizza with a pair of scissors. Yep. And in this, he's like, rat burger, amazing. I'm thinking, if you look at your body, we've just seen you come out the ice if you had that rat burger, your first instinct would be to go, right, now I've got to just run for three hours um, and do loads of high-impact exercise, um, which I like. And also, and this thing that kind of, because this film kind of, and again, we're talking about a different era, but this film kind of has its heart and head in the right place. It's pitching a kind of libertarian politics in the case of, Everyone's wrong. You should do your own thing. But it it has a kind of gentle approach. Look, look, you know, we've got people who want to smoke and eat meat and pour salt on everything and kill themselves because that's their right. And we have people over here trying to make things nice and peaceful and happy. Let's negotiate and work out in the middle, which is, I think, is a, a fair kind of place to end in. Yeah. Um, and yet, when he's he walks into Sandra Bullock's, or into his own apartment. The first thing he does is press a button and a naked woman appears on the screen with yeah. her boobs out. Oh, sorry. And off she goes thinking, that's just there to get boobs in the film. Massively. Now, I, you know, that's probably at the behest of producers or, or salespeople. No, you've got to have nudity in there. Um, because not the skipping ahead here, when I was looking through the keywords, it kept showing up about naked women. I'm thinking, I don't remember there being any nudity in this film. I think, oh no, there's just that one scene where he presses a button and a naked woman appears. Yeah. Um, which is kind of out of place. Um, but anyway, we've, we've rambled enough. Let's talk about how great Wesley Snipes is. He, he makes well, his I, film all day long. Yeah. All day, this is his film. Yeah. Um, two, th- my two favourite points in this film, three actually, well, t- t- I'd say two favourites and one that always sticks in my mind. It never fails to get me laughing out loud when he walks into the museum and he just smashes that guy's head against the glass. <laughs> He just walks in. There's a guy just standing there looking at him. He just goes, bang, knocks the guy out. It's in like an establishing crane shot. Just no, completely uncalled for. Doesn't even look at the guy. Just hand out, smashes him and knocks him out. And the second bit is where he's outside and he's hacking the computer and the police turn up. And he's starting to learn he's got martial arts abilities. Because not only is it, is it giving him a chance to show off his stuff. But I love it when the, there's, a, there's a big cop who starts boxing. Yeah. Like, and that guy, I'm pretty sure... Is the stunt man that beats up Batman in the bell tower in the night? I think you're Batman. right. Yeah, because I thought this the legs around. Yeah, yeah, and it's the it's when Wesley Snipes mocks him and kind of goes upright and does like old style boxing, and the look on his face. I just think it's such a shitty thing to do to that guy, but it's so fun. Yeah, it um, is. and it then is. I, I also love the bit at the end where, because obviously it turns out that Nigel Hawthorne, who shouldn't be in this movie. <laughs> No, I really shouldn't. You know, it's like Jeffrey Palmer being in Die Hard 3 or something. Yes, um, please. Yes, uh, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nigel Hawthorne's obviously, unf- well, not, if you've seen this, you know, has, has unfrosted uh, Simon Phoenix and given him all these skills and programmed in him a kind of failsafe that he can't, that Simon Phoenix cannot kill Nigel Hawthorne's That's character. Right. And so the whole movie... Every time Simon Phoenix is sat with him, he's pointing a gun, trying to kill him, mm. and can't. Which I think is great—a little fun bit of business for him to do. 
And in the end, he just throws the gun to someone else and that person kills him. And I love that kind of moment. Mm. And that's, is that Jesse Ventura? That is Jesse Ventura, which also leads me back to the point before about comic book films because he's got henchmen. Henchmen mm. like the Joker's henchmen mm. that dress a bit like him. But the kind of, you yeah. know, the kind of slashed suits and stuff, which I really like. And let's say Wesley Snipes does everything. He's really funny. He goes up against Stallone and steals the movie. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's so much more interesting when Wesley Snipes is on screen. And he's competing with a lot of people. You know, Nigel Hawthorne, joking aside, is, a, is an accomplished actor. Oh, yeah. Sa- Sandra Bullock, this was my first exposure to Sandra Bullock, and she's really good in it. She's yeah, really she's funny. Brilliant. Yeah, and she's really good. She's not a damsel in distress, although that's yeah, hinted she's at. Actually, she's got some no, she, moves on that. Yeah, and she's not sexualised either. Even And the, the sex scene between the two of them, quote-unquote, is played for laughs. And, yeah, it, it, I, you know, I, I like her in that. Um, you've got Dennis Leary, you know, giving his rapid-fire monologues. You've got loads of stuff going on, mm-hmm. and yet Wesley Snipes is still the most exciting thing in the movie. But it... It also helps that it's it's a great movie around it as well. Um, it's probably one of my top Stallone movies. Yeah. Um, not and not just because you know Cobra's great, but Cobra is not a film. It's kind of like the Commando thing. Is it? It kind of you have to enjoy it with a degree of irony um, because it's not as serious as it. Th- thinks it is although commando i think is in on its own joke but this is legit i mean this has the tone it has everything down um and it has everything you want from a big big action movie what also it has and i'd quite like to pick your brains on this this is going down a side road so we've been okay. off snipes yeah. highway and we're going down a cul-de-sac so yes um we get introduced to a concept so it's in the future it's um, and it's really good. All the stuff in there is really nice. What they do, everything kind of holds up. Like you say, apart from the naked woman on the screen, that that doesn't make sense. But the rest of it yeah. holds up. I even like the Taco Bell stuff. I think that's quite funny. But it's got this concept of the three seashells, mm. which I think there's a theory on the internet somewhere about it in terms of what it is. Yeah, I, I I've heard the yeah the 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 solution, but. I don't buy it, but go on, Karen. But it gets introduced by another kind of famous actor in it, who is Rob Schneider, who I'm not a big mm. fan of his work. And he starts off by going, he doesn't have the three seasons work, and doing this yeah. kind of very annoying uh, kind of, you know, mm. voice, which leads me on to a very quick point that there's someone in Hollywood who sat watching this film and seeing the interaction between Rob Schneider and Sylvester Stallone and how much he annoyed the audience and annoyed Sylvester Stallone within one catch, within one sentence. Yeah. And went, ooh, they could be in a film together. And someone else yeah. went, yes, let's make that a Judge Dredd film. Yeah. I, it's, I, I find that very strange. The, that era of Saturday Night Live had a lot of people to pick from. And I don't understand why Rob Schneider ended up in Judge Dredd. And it's okay. So here's the thing. And again, I know we're getting super distracted here, but Judge Dredd, there are. When Rob Schneider is hidden in the trash thing and, he, and the voice saying it's okay for the environment, it's good for the environment and okay for you, that's funny. When he does a Sylvester Sloan impression, that's a fair enough impression and it's good for a bit of self uh, depreciation. Other than that, it, you know, he's definitely a weak link in that film. Have you seen the outtakes where he falls down the stairs? I haven't. I'm going to, I'm going to fall down a YouTube okay. hole when I come back in after, I, after this. When we, when we finish this, yeah. go and watch Rob Schneider falling downstairs on YouTube in Judge Dredd uh, on YouTube. Um, you'll feel a whole lot better. Um, it's, it's, it's proper. He takes a proper fucking fall. And it's like a Jackie Chan outtake. He hurts himself. Well, that makes um, up for his annoyance so much in happier. Demolition like, Man and Judge Dredd. If, I, if I'd have been high up in the chain on that film, I'd have left that in there and had his character die at that point and just move on. Um, but three seasons, yeah. going back to that, going back to that yes. theory. So what, what do you think is the mythology behind said? So... What, what what I would like it to be or what I've read? I think what you'd like it to be 
because I think it's open so, to conjecture. Yeah, I when I when I when I watched it and like when I was young, I was trying to kind of come up with what it was, and I had this sense it was some kind of spray system that they would open up and jets of water would come out, or that it was some kind of futuristic jargon. It had magnets or energy pulses that gravitated things or that used vibrations to remove anything built up around there. Um, yeah. Have you, have you read the online theory that's apparently come from one of the writers? I think, yeah, I have a long time ago, but yeah, go on. So what they've said is, well, this guy said is apparently you take two of them and use them he said like chopsticks, but I guess like almost like castanets. <laughs> and you pinch and pull. Right. Drop that in the toilet and then use the third one to scrape away what's left. Oh, that's a bit Which, disappointing, really. That's worse than toilet paper. That's like less hygienic. You're going to get in. I mean, can you imagine trying to wipe your ass with a pair of castanets? Even us, as grown men, would leave covered in our own shit. <laughs> it would just be an absolute war zone. My theory on it is I was thinking this mm. last night, and I think I'd, my impression of it is they have a pearl inside each one, and the pearl right. has a difference. You've got one for lady parts, one pearl for right. man parts, and one for the, the arse. Anus. So and <laughs> it's like um, it's like a urinal cake, and you just pop it up said hole, and it sorts right. it all out for you, like a dishwasher tablet. Yeah, well, that's good. Although, does that mean that as a man, we'd have to stick a pole down our urethra <laughs> after we? Yeah, it's the future. <laughs> yeah, well, very yeah. hygienic. I, 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 okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I've just come up with this one because I think these are all better than the actual theory. The actual reason is that. Hidden within are a series of uh, nanobots, okay. shaped like like lobsters and crabs, cute ones. Okay, and basically you open them up and they come out kind of like Disney animals, like um, Snow White. And rather than cl- and they clean your cottage, okay. quote unquote. Um, they use their pincers to stuff, and it's kind of magical. And maybe there's some glitter in the air, um, and they all go back in. Um, these shit-covered robot crabs. <laughs> God, that and should then have they been get in... washed off inside there. That should have been in the film. Can you imagine Stallone <laughs> talking to a load of robot crabs with yeah. massive eyes? And they're all singing yeah. and everything. That would have been amazing. One can only hope that, that the director, Marco Brambilla, goes back and does a George Lucas special edition and just adds loads of scenes like that in. Yeah, I think he should. I think it, it, yeah. time is right for it. Yeah. Beautiful. Now, one other thing we're going to, I think we need to do a little bit of a break from today is keywords. Um, now, I'm going to tell you why, but for, for starters, let me update you on last week's achievements. Um, I, I put forward three keywords to the Action Jackson INDB site. All three got in, um, making, I think, that a, a more comprehensive guide to people who are who are looking at keywords to see whether they like action jackson so those people who go looking for these words because they're watching they like films with these things in um will now know that action jackson has and that is double entendre somersault and i went with body part in jar because i didn't think he let me have testicles so um if you like body parts in jars people somersaulting and a double entendre um IMDb can now help you far better. It's like a carry-on film at... with balls in a jar, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I had a quick look at the Demolition Man keywords. There are 296. Um, and I, I'll be honest with you, I couldn't see anything in here that we could add. Um, it's got everything. All the stuff that you'd imagine... Um, but it's even got things like toilet paper as the opposite of seashell. So it's even got things that aren't in it that are referenced. I mean, they've, uh, they've done a really good job here. Um, flash forward. Maybe somewhere in the world, someone's doing what we're doing and done Demolition Man before they got to us and just I went to town so. on the keywords. Dual wield. So it's mentioning that he's got two guns at the start. So, uh, you know, feet on desk. They've really, really gone 
to town. Have they got? Do you want to know what? Um, massive school knife. Um, oh, I, I maybe not. Okay, well, oh, you may have found it. Okay, we'll, we'll put that one in. Do you want to know what the last two are? Go on. The last two keywords: leg and legs. Now I don't know, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why it's there twice. Oh. Um, okay, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna add large skull knife. I think last week's movie pitch was very successful. I, lo- I think that the um, the hardcasters patented title generator um, worked wonders. Um, again, I think we should lead by title, but um, I'm gonna, and I'm not going to throw too much into the mix before we start uh, throwing titles around. But I part of me feels, and I said this earlier on in the in in this podcast. Um, I do feel like Snipes should have had a full-on martial arts film. Yes. He should have had his blood sport stroke kickboxer. So I'm going to suggest, and you're, you're, I'm more than happy for you to deflect this if you've got a better idea, if you want to go, but mm. I, I want a big part of it to be round a martial arts tournament. Okay. Now, he, he, whether we bring in other elements, whether he's an undercover <laughs> cop investigating, whether he's a... A soldier who's got, you know, um, but I like the idea of giving him at least two or three proper martial arts fights in a ring. Now, we okay. could incorporate that into another film. Remember, at the start of Rambo 3, Stallone's stick fighting, underground stick fighting. So we could do something like that. But I'd very much like to see um, Snipes fighting, you know, some colourful characters in a, uh, in a ring. But other right. than that, let us trust in the title generator. So I'm just going to pull the sheet off of it um, and fire her up. So I'm going to go through again. Stop me when you you, you hear something you like. <laughs> Pumping surfer, I don't think it's going to uh, be appropriate. Hang gliding bankers, not really sure that that works. Iron samurai, Ooh, okay. um, could be work. Catastrophic prisoners. <laughs> Uh, that was Catastrophic Prisoners 2, Tragic Day, which <laughs> I quite like. Um, Action Guardian, City of Feet, Ooh, which is yeah, kicking, one. or City of Kicks even. Yeah. Um, Hypermaster, Unwanted Darkness. Uh, that could be it, that could be it. Super Peril Part De, <laughs> Snowboard Hammer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> How about this? Kung Fu Trust 2, Randy Action. <laughs> I'm going to call it now. Can Randy Action be his character? I was just name? about to say, that's we'll... his name. That's that done. <laughs> that's his name. I think either City of Feet or City of Kicks <laughs> might be. Do can... we want a city? Could it all that jungle of kicks? Or Can we have... Or... Can we have... Um, what about... Um, Octagon of Feet? And his name could be what was his what was his name? Randy Action. Randy. Yes. <laughs> okay. Let's go for that. Um, yeah. So the the Octagon of Feet uh, is our title. Yeah. Um, thank you, Title Seek Generators. Uh, we 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 didn't use your title exactly, but you inspired us. You sent us off down a path. Thank you very much, but we can, we are men now, we can travel by ourselves. So yeah. I'll just uh, power her down um, and off we go. So, uh, Wesley Snipes in the Octagon of Feet as Randy Action. Let's start by establishing this tournament and what kind of things we're going to see. I like the idea that it's one of those tournaments that doesn't seem to have any real rules to it. Mm-hmm. Kind of like uh, Mortal Kombat. Okay. So the film Mortal Kombat, the 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 uh, Paul W S Anderson Mortal Kombat. There's obviously got a huge supernatural element, but that seems to be a series of fights that just seem to happen. Mm. There's a couple where there are, there's an audience, but some just seem to happen 
like at dinner, and that counts as a fight. Yeah. So I think there should be a couple of just proper hand-on-hand fist fights. Yeah. But I like the idea that some of them, I, I want the middle, the big middle sequence to be um, like a total wipeout assault course okay. kind of thing with fighting. Fantastic. So they're all in kind of like gladiator outfits, and they're all jumping over with big swinging hammers and... I've got it. Um, I've got it. I've got it. throwers or what have you. Yep. Right. So, I like it. So we've got this kind of tournament. What, what about that it's a tournament for TV show? So this is, this is Snipes' running man. All right? Yes. So what we could do here, yes. we could combine two things from the previous Snipes film as well. Or one thing from the previous Snipes film. So yeah. we talked about Nigel Hawthorne being completely miscast in it. As an English yeah. villain. How about we step that up one further? Because I like the fact that in Running Man, the villain is an actual game show host. He was the family yes. food host in America, wasn't he? How I about know where you're going with this. We have, I love it. <laughs> we have an English villain, but it's a current or a, a past English game show host as the villain who's organised yeah. this maniacal tournament somewhere like Thailand, where it's all kind of, it's all fair game. Okay, so I'm going to throw some names at you. Yes. Now this is this would have been um, this would have been kind of '94, '95. So Bob Monkhouse was still alive. Yeah. Uh, got Bob Holness. Yeah. Forsyth. Bruce Forsyth. Yeah. I mean Bruce Forsyth. Now I've got Bob Monkhouse has got the the smarmy thing, but Bruce Forsyth might be the. See what I quite one. like about this as well. When I looked into the Running Man. The the villain, um, I can't remember his name in in, in real life, but the the Running Man villain, the mm. game show host, was actually born in the UK, and he he grew up in the variety halls, and he was good friends with Bruce Forsyth. So in another world, the Running right. Man villain could have been Bruce Forsyth. Yeah, well, this could be set in the same universe. Yes, you know. Yeah, my so, other my other thought was Edmonds. Oh, Noel Edmonds would be great. Yeah, I think not because Bruce Forsyth, you can't get away from the the catchphrases and the the, 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 the kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Noel Edmonds, he you'd have a bit more of a he's a bit more of a blank canvas. You could get a performance out of him. I think he'd be a bit more subtle. He could be doing that thing he he does on um uh you know the fucking box game, um, <laughs> the the pure fucking luck game which should last three seconds, yeah. but he just drags out by pretending they're all some kind of spiritually connected. And I love the fact he can do that. He can kind of mess with people's minds. Yes. Um, and Edmonds it is. I mean, I was going to suggest John Virgo at one point. <laughs> can he be the henchman? Can we have two henchmen? I, One's John yeah. Virgo, who has like a snooker, a sock bag full of snooker balls and a cue that's got like a, a, a knife at the end of it. And... We have a character called yeah. Mr. Blobby, who's this kind of obese, massive, kind of, you know, kind of villain that Snipes has to fight. Kind of one of the bosses, yeah. basically. Yeah. So I'm just now now picturing Wesley Snipes and someone else just having a fight on the set of Noel's house party <laughs> and just, like, trashing the place. Yes. Um, okay, so Noel Edmonds mm. plays a super villain. Yes. Okay. Who has? He's a kind of he's he's a, he's a super billionaire. Um, he's got his own private island, and every year he um, holds this ceremony, this, this 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 tournament for all the best fighters for two reasons: one, um, to network, yeah. but he makes a lot of money off it, off all the betting and stuff like like that. Um. But he puts his money, he's got, I, I like the idea, he's got um, this secret plan to, I'm thinking satellites. He's going to put satellites up around the earth and control the media or something. Yes. And because he's so rich, he's impenetrable. The only time he's accessible is during this tournament. Brilliant. So if the, if the United Nations um, can get someone in at that point, they might be able to get him. So Wesley Snipes is convinced. Now he's going to have a triple back back story. We'll, we'll get into that in a minute. To infiltrate as a fighter, kind of Snake Plissken style. Yeah. 
Um, you know, he'll get a full pardon or whatever. He's there as a fighter. He's there to win. But at the same time, he needs to secretly infiltrate the island and Noel Edmonds' base and steal the satellites. Yes. Uh, the codes for the satellites destroy them. And I'm aware this is going very, very into the dragon. Okay. Um, with Noel Edmonds. With Noel Edmonds <laughs> in the Mr. Hack. Just quickly, so in, just quickly to, for our overseas listener, him, that one. Yeah. Um, how would you describe yeah. Edmonds in a word? How, Edmonds how you... is kind of like, if you imagine Simba from The Lion King, <laughs> he looks like a small lion. Imagine <laughs> if you um, accidentally shrunk... Barry Gibb. He's like a squash BG, isn't he? <laughs> it's like a little BG. Um, yeah, just just a, a lovely mane of kind of golden hair and a beard, but on a tiny, tiny person. Yeah. He was a kids' TV presenter. He would host Top of the Pot, so it's kind of like a popular DJ. Like a smug little fucking yeah. Ewok, basically, isn't he? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like if... Uh, if, if uh, what's his name? Um, Wicket. Um had a DJ's voice and presented Saturday, Saturday night TV. Yes. Um, um, so Mr. Han in um, Enter the Dragon had a fake hand, didn't he, that we would replace mm-hmm. with various weapons and implements. Can Noel Edmonds have the same thing? <laughs> yes. Yes, he can. Uh, good. Right. So um, the, the, the torrent works. There's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's the octagon at the end. And the octagon at the end is a kick-only fight. Okay. Okay, that's the thing. It's kicking-only, which is where we get the octagon of feet. Or, or, okay, scratch that. Noel Lemmers doesn't have a hand that he replaces. He replaces his feet. <laughs> right? Yeah. He lost his feet in, a, in an explosion on a yacht, yeah. let's say. And he's now obsessed with people having better feet than him. Okay? Totally obsessed. And so every time a fighter dies or is defeated, Virgo comes down, pulls the end of his cue off, and it's a blade, and cuts off the feet of the fighter. Yeah. And they stack up in an octagon. And that's where the final fight is, in an octagon made of feet. Amazing. Amazing, because because Noel Lemons has got this weird, um, weird, weird kind of obsession with 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 feet. Now John Virgo so, as well. He, I yeah. like the fact that he's one of the henchmen. What I also like about John Virgo is he looks a bit. If you squint, he looks a bit like um, Thor Svensson. Yeah, Schwarzenegger. He does totally. But like a bloke. If he if Thor Svensson instead of going to the gym all the time, just went down the pub instead. Yeah. If if Thor Svensson was ill for a year. Yeah. And then you saw him again. He'd be John Virgo. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, John Virgo, for the, our overseas listener, <laughs> is uh, a snooker commentator and player, I guess, who um, became like a snooker pundit and who also co-hosted a, uh, a 90s British quiz show called um, Big Break that, believe it or not, was a snooker-themed quiz show where players would have to answer questions and then play snooker. And he would perform a trick shot He's got loads of VHS of various trick shots. I think at one point he had a YouTube channel, did, yeah. um, which was just clips from his VHS. Um, and he was famous for having a kind of very slow northern drawl and wearing colourful waistcoats um, and a kind of deadpan delivery. So that's, that's John Virgo for you. So we'll integrate um, that into the film, obviously, clearly. Yeah, and he'll he'll be called something like Mr. Trickshot or something. Black um, Blackball. Mr. Blackball, yeah, yeah, something like that. Anyway, let's talk about Wesley Snipes, because we, we we spent this podcast about Wesley Snipes talking about everything but Wesley Snipes. So he's Randy Action. Um, what was his previous occupation? Why why did the UN want him and him alone? I think that he I think he was a he was a cop who got um, promoted to the Black Ops, but on one of his missions yep. Um, he's very much like a demolition man. He he went in too soon, and a lot of hostages died, including his yep. wife. Yeah, and so I, I like the idea that maybe the the government, and we're going to use the term government and UN interchangeably, as they will do in the film. Yes. It's not really clear what organisation. Um, it's just men in suits. Mm. I like the idea that they were okay with it, 
but he, out of guilt, went into self-exile. Mm-hmm. So to, they have to find him up a mountain. Yes. He's, they know he's got nothing to lose. He's the best fighter there is. And he did lots of ops out in that part of the world, in that yes. part of the... Um, uh, uh, yeah, that part of the globe. So he's got the best, best experience. I think we um, meet him. The first time we meet him is he's self-exile in a Buddhist temple, and he's mm-hmm. shaved his head and he's kind of got all the, the gear on. And there's a group of mercenary shits that try and take the temple, and him mm-hmm. and a couple of the kind of monks just get the mm-hmm. kung fu out. And you think, oh, who's this guy? And he just takes them all out on top of the mountain. Kind of so he's yeah. burst in straight away. We know he's a badass, but also one who's got yeah. a quiet sensitivity about him. Yeah, and I also like the fact where we meet him. He's trying to master some kind of transcendental power, some kind of Jedi-like power. I don't know what it is yet, but that's how he wins the last fight. He closes his eyes <clears throat> and does some kind of powerful thing. So he gets convinced. He, he says no at first, and the monks convince him that, um, look, you've never been at peace here. Um, You never will get at peace until you prove to yourself that you are worthy. You should enter this tournament. So I like the idea. They're up a mountain, right? Mm. The the UN stroke government stroke CIA, I'll add an organization every time we do it, get up to the top of the mountain, pitch to him, okay? He says no. They have to trek all the way down. While they're doing that, the monk convinces Snipes, uh, sorry, Randy Action, that he should get back into action. And so Randy Action packs up his bag and then does something ridiculous like, I don't know, dives off the top of the mountain. I think he should dive off. skis. He's got like a hang glider made of eagle feathers or something. (laughs) And he lands as the rest of the government stroke CIA, stroke UN, stroke WWF, get to the bottom. Yes. And they're all hot and knackered and sweaty and bitten by things. And he's like, when we're off, um, and they're like, um, and off we go. Perfect. So, um, what, okay. So let's, there's going to be, um, he's going to get there. There's going to be a, uh, an initial fight, Mm -hmm. which will just be in a ring made of sand. Yeah. Then there'll be a fighting montage. Yeah. Then there'll be, um, let's say two more straight fights, the big assault course thing. Mm. And then the final fight in the octagon made of feet. What two locations do the other two normal fights happen in? Does does Randy Action's other two straight person-on-person fights, where do they happen? What interesting locations? This was a video game. Yeah. This was like a street fire. What would the the level be? Um, I think, again, the, the fight should be, we'll come to this in a minute, but I think you should have at least four bosses. He's got a fight. We've kind of seen him take out kind of just randoms, but yeah. I think that he has very specific people with the skill set. So he, we, you know, he has a challenge basically. Then the first one should be yeah. in a snake pit, and the other one, yes, I think should be in a a bamboo bridge that's got behind it a volca- lava waterfall, like a volcano waterfall. Yes. Okay. Now that means that. We also need to cast three people for him to have normal fights with. Yeah. And the big bad fighter who he fights at the end. Okay. <clears throat> and I think that obviously we've got, we could look at martial art artists of the time, mm. but I think we would be doing a disservice if we didn't do what a lot of these films did and look towards uh, the World Wrestling Federation. Yes. Or as it was called. Yeah. And I know I mentioned the WWF, I meant the World Wildlife Foundation yes. earlier, not wrestlers. So I, I, I can't help but think the big bad guy at the end, it would be good if it was Andre the Giant. Because it wouldn't be a great martial arts fight. Because in AWOL, I was always convinced that Van Damme fought Andre the Giant at the end. It's not. It's a guy who just looks a lot like him. Mm. What about... I've got it. So what about, not maybe not the final one, but one of the bosses, maybe the one that he could fight <clears throat> um, over the lava bridge, is mm. Yokozuna, which was the sumo wrestler yep. bloke. And we could call him Mr. Blobby. He gets called Mr. Blobby. Yes. 
And he's yeah. kind of, he's a bit kind of, you know, he's called that and he's kind of got, you know, big spots on him. He's a bit grotesque and he has to fight him. But again, he's very quick. He looks slow, but he's like a hippo. He's just really fast and dangerous. Yeah. So he could yeah. be one of them. How about Doink the Clown? <laughs> yeah. Or, or the Bushwhackers. If, if he's in a snake pit, Jake the Snake. Jake the Snake. Perfect. And can Jake the Snake come out of the snake pit, like rise up? Yes. Yes. Okay. So he fights Jake the Snake Roberts yeah. over a snake pit. Yeah. Could we just... So what other... Could we just... Ed- <laughs> on that theme, could we dress Edmonds like the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase? Because, yes. again, there was a bit of a similar look there. A little beard, puffy, buttery hair. And that's that kind of suit yeah. Edmonds yeah. So, but, like the, the, the Ted DiBiase... He's he just wears black speedos, yeah, and then a suit jacket, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a suit jacket with a big glittery collar, yeah, tails, yeah, um, and prosthetic feet, <laughs> robot feet, yeah, um, and okay, Virgo could be dressed like because he had a bodyguard, didn't he, Million Dollar Man? So he yeah. could do like um, he, he wore a tuxedo with no, no arms, so that could yeah. be Virgo. He could he wears a tuxedo, he's got no arms. And okay, so we said about Mr. Blobby. Now, obviously, the final fight in the octagon is not going to be the fight because no. we've got to resolve the satellite secret base mm. thing. So, Noel Edmonds, and we uh, we haven't come up with a name for Noel Edmonds' villain yet, but we will do. Um, Mr. Blobby, his henchman, mm. and again for our singular viewer, Mr. Blobby uh, in one of Noel Edmonds' um, Saturday night TV shows called Noel's House Party was a kind of uh, they would set celebrities up um, in like a prank by getting them to appear in a video of some kind with this character called Mr. Blobby, who was supposed to be a cuddly kind of mascot character who would be really clumsy. And basically, he's a giant foam pink rubber cunt. Um, <laughs> just a, a pink spotted, googly eyed wanker who just claps on everything. And yet, and the reason I hate him so much is it's still funny. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's fucking stupidest bullshit ever and he released a single yeah. and it was a Christmas number one yeah, theme park. and I hate it and every time I see a clip of Mr Blobby it still makes me genuinely laugh because it's <laughs> actually quite good um, but I like the idea of taking this further and not having a guy in a foam costume that he's got a person next to him he's gone under all this kind of experimentation to make mm. him the ultimate fighter so he's pink from being out in this in that kind of tropic sun so much yeah. he's like his flesh is all puffy mm. he's been forged in hell itself his skin is burnt mm. his eyes are all good and puffy through the drugs that have been pumped to him he's all bloated so he's like he, we use like rick baker's prosthetics yes to make this actual monster so if you can imagine mr blobby but as a real flesh and blood person and how horrific that would be. And he is who he fights in the, okay. in the ring of feet. Fantastic. So we've got two more people to fight. Okay. So if we go into the martial arts movie world, I think we've got people like um, Billy Blanks. Yeah. Who, uh, an action martial artist who um, obviously made some of his films of himself. He's in a lot of the Rowdy Roddy Piper mm. uh, films like Back in Action. And, and I think they did two together. He's also... Isn't he in Last Boy Scout? That, yes, he's, he's the guy, Billy Cole. Who gets, yeah. So he doesn't do any martial arts now. He just gets is the American football player. That's what I'm thinking of. He's definitely in the Bruce Willis movie. Um, and I'm pretty sure he pops up in a couple of movies, like big movies, just as a stuntman or whatever. <clears throat> so he can fight Billy Blanks at the start. What about then, the Brit Gary Daniels? He's in one of the Expendables films. Yes. Yeah, Gary Daniels is a great shout. Yeah, Gary Daniels is good. Let's get Gary Daniels. So yeah, we've got Gary Daniels, Billy Blanks, um, Jake the Snake Roberts and whoever we've got mm. Yokozuna in loads of prosthetics to make him look like a human Mr. Blobby yes. <clears throat> and then during that just like End the Dragon Randy action sneaks out infiltrates the island hideout beats up some guys in jumpsuits who are like uh, Noel Edmonds um, kind of a henchman um, Noel Edmonds catches him and says no no we're still going to put you in the final because I want, that's it. it, we'll put you in the final, but you're not going to fight who you think. You're going to fight Mr. Blobby. And that's who run, comes out. 
and then he chases as the island's exploding and the base is falling apart. Um, you know, Randy Action's got the codes. Um, Noel Edmonds is going to escape in uh, a kind of hovercraft, <laughs> but Randy Action corners him on the docks. Noel Edmonds slips on his fighting feet, which are feet that do kind of like almost like goose steppy kung fu kicks towards him. Um, and uh, <laughs> can he, can can those feet not be omnidirectional? Can they just go in one direction? <laughs> so he, he's literally just marching towards. Yeah. He's just got a ridiculous, and he's gurning while he does it as well. Yes. Okay, no, it's going to. As much as I like the idea of a hovercraft, it's a helicopter. Because Noel Edmonds he has starts one. Starts up the rotor blades. Yeah, he got his own helicopter with his face on the side. Yeah. Um, he goes back to get some supplies. Showdown with with Wesley Snipes. There's a bit of kicking and fighting. Then he puts on it. Then he winds his feet up to super kick, <laughs> kind of like Liu Kang in um, in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Randy Action just moves out out the side out the way. Noel Edmonds goes up a ramp into the air and into the rotor blades of the helicopter. <laughs> Beautiful. And then, and then Randy Action goes, you'll be six feet under. <laughs> yes. Something like that. Yeah, brilliant. Um, um, and then fist pumps. Yeah. Um, how, does, how does John Virgo or Mr. Mr. Trickshot or Mr. Blackball die? I think, I think one, of the, one of the courses, it could be on the It's a Knockout style bit, is a giant mm. snooker table. But if, and he's... He, he and it's yes. kind of like other pockets have got things in them, like you know, kind of snakes or scorpions or something. Yeah, and he comes across it like basically like um, Boba Fett in the Sarlacc pit. Yeah, no, I like this idea. I, so John Virgo, aka Mister Trickshot, is playing on a normal sized table, but there's like a wire attached to his cue, mm. like a big curly wire. <laughs> and whatever he does on the small table. Yeah. happens on the big toes. So there's giant balls that, like Indiana Jones, are rolling towards the competitors and getting yeah. crushed. People get knocked down in the holes, and Snipes do- does it. So a ball comes towards him in a trick shot. He dodges. The ball bounces back, and the ball on tail bounces back and sticks in Virgo's forehead, and he dies. And like everyone's like, "Ooh!" It's like when um, Sub Zero dies yes. in Running Man. Everyone's like, "Oh my god!" And Noel Edmonds. That's when Edmonds is like, "Oh, this guy's going to be trouble." Yes. Um, so what is Noel Edmonds' character's name? So again, just to remind everyone, he looks like a tiny BG. He's dressed in nothing but – he'll, he'll have a tan. It'll be very golden tan. It won't be brown. It'll no. be gold. He's got golden brownish hair, yeah. a lot of chest hair, I imagine. Yeah. He's wearing tiny Speedos. Mm. He's got a, a suit jacket mm. with a gold glitter collar and tails. Yeah. And he's got robotic feet. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I think his. I like the idea. His first name's Craven. Okay. Craven. Craven. It's got to be something quite quintessentially English as well. <laughs> what would someone writing an American martial arts from the nineties think is something quintessentially British? What about Craven Roast. Craven <laughs> <laughs> Roast. Craven Roast. <laughs> Well, um, what about Carvery? Craven Carvery, <laughs> or, yes. Yeah. Or Craven Roast. Uh, cr- or, uh, oh. ro- uh, Carvery Roast. Sir Carvery Roast. He's always, yeah, and he's always eating a full roast dinner. Whenever we see him, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's sat in his throne. He's always got... Like instead of like fruit and grapes and stuff, he's always got a f- <laughs> traditional English roast. So um, what about John Virgo and, serving okay. him the roast? Like, do you want turkey yeah. this week and, or lamb? And he's like, yeah. you know I always like all the fucking meats. And he could be talking about, when we first introduced him, he could have a speech about the tournament and what he loves in life and how he's like, and this is the potatoes and this is the stuffing and this is... And at the end, he goes, and what I like the most is watching a valiant man die because that's, oh, that's the gravy. <laughs> and every time he's watching someone die, he's like, oh, that's the gravy. And at the end, as he's bicycle kicking towards Wesley Snipes, <laughs> he's like, you're going to be the gravy. <laughs> <laughs> what about as um, well, he does that analogy. You know when he gets, he, he kind of captures Snipes, he's eating a roast dinner and he, he's, yeah. he's cutting it and he says, 
and he puts a sausage between the potatoes and the gravy and he says, at the minute... I'm the sausage, and if I move this sausage out of the way, your gravy is going to pour all over these potatoes, and I don't want that to happen. And yeah. you think that is a eulogy for you know snipes taking over, but it doesn't really make any sense. But then you just it's just it's a shot of Edmund eating the sausage and kind of looking yeah. at the camera. I've got, I've got it. Sorry, he's Lord Carver Y Roast. Yeah. <laughs> so Brilliant. on paper it's Carver Roast, but he's Carver Roast. Car, Car, Lord Lord Roast. <laughs> Oh, this, is, this is perfect. Yeah, um, yeah. This is this is a, yeah. This is octagon of feet. Yeah. with Wesley Snipes as Randy Action versus the maniacal Lord Carver Wyros, played by Noel Edmund, <laughs> dressed as Ted DiBiase, with John Virgo as a henchman. It's perfect. Um, yeah, it's got. Great fights. It's got a big assault course with a giant pool table thing. It's expensive. Um, it ends with an island base exploding. And more importantly, it gives Wesley Snipes the opportunity to be funny and charming and suave, but also to show off his full range of martial arts ability in sustained <coughs> martial arts sequences. Absolutely which he never got the opportunity to do really prior to Blade. No. Nope. And although I'm sure Wesley Snipes, you know, I, I very much doubt that Wesley Snipes is sat at home thinking, I wish I, I had Jean-Claude Van Damme's career. You know, he was in King of New York, Mo Better Blues, New Jack City, Jungle Fever, White Men Can't Jump, Rising Sun with Sean Connery. He's done loads and loads and loads of stuff. Um, but, damn it. I want to see more of Wesley Snipes <clears throat> roundhouse kicking in slow motion. Fighting Noel Edmonds. Not enough of that. And and yeah, the fact it's Noel Edmonds is even better. <clears throat> you know what? Every time we do this, I go away slightly sadder <laughs> that I don't, I'll never get to see these movies because they've all been exactly the kind of film. These are the kind of films when I, when I, when I watch, sit down and watch an action film, these are yeah. the ones I want to watch and I have to settle for the ones that exist. It's a real shame. I just hope um, Hollywood's listening. I hope Hollywood's doing a stake outside our houses and is, is, is yeah. writing all this down. Snipes and Edmonds <clears throat> are still both in very good shape. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw Noel Edmonds on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. He he still looks good. Yeah. Um, still got his own helicopter. They can still make this. You know, the advances in digital effects, I mean, they probably do Blobby as a CGI character rather than a prosthetic effect, but I'm happy to take that. I'm taking that Take all that hit. What could we learn from Demolition Man? Now, the, the thing with, with Demolition Man is we've got two very different styles of policing. One from the kind of post-apocalyptic Los Angeles and one from the utopian one. So I already know, and I think you're going to agree with me on this one, that I think it should be standard police procedure to shout the name of one suspect... <laughs> <laughs> when departing from whatever vehicle you've got, whether you're leaping from a helicopter or just getting out of the car, yeah, full volume, yeah, and making sure that name lasts, you're shouting for at least ten seconds yeah. without taking a breath. The name of your suspect, absolutely, absolutely. That's point one. Yeah. All what can long. we take from the the the, the nicer, uh, gentler policing of the utopian future? Well, I think that if if something happens and you're kind of in a in a in a, a place where no not really much crap but then all of a sudden there's a badass on the on the run can you defrost another badass to go and fight him have you got a big fridge somewhere full of like you know yeah madmen or, or badass cops if I, you have get I them think out. when you get a certain amount of commendations uh, uh, sorry a certain <laughs> amount of commendations from the police for doing particularly good police work your reward is to be frozen <laughs> in a giant freezer. Yeah. Um, and so that in the future, yeah. your services can be used, um, should there be. So, and I think, um, yeah, I, I think that's, that's perfectly acceptable. Now, obviously we've got a problem in that we'd only be starting this now. And I think that, you know, think about all the, all the great movie cops that have not been frozen, you yeah. know, um, <clears throat> wouldn't it be great to just open a, open a fridge and, Thaw out Dirty Harry for a couple Brilliant. of movies. Amazing. So I think that 
there, I think we need to fight for some kind of Jurassic Park style DNA experiment to first clone a lot of the past cats going right the way back. There must have been some degree of law enforcement in caveman times. There yeah. must have been a caveman cop. Yeah. Um, which is another film we're going to have to pitch All at day some long. point. All day long. Um, scream the name of one's uh, suspect as loud as you can when you're approaching or leaving a vehicle. And two, um, ensure you are stocking up on, on um, effective cops, if not orthodox, effective cops for defrosting at later dates, should you need them. If in emergency, break glass. I've kind of got this thought in my head, though, like of just this police station just full of Zanussi fridges and they just open yeah. it up and just a skeleton falls out. Like, oh, shit, we didn't do that properly, did we? <laughs> yeah. Who didn't shut the freezer properly? <laughs> Marion Cabretti has defrosted <laughs> and he's passed his sell-by date. Yeah. This, I mean, that's the film itself and they've only, like, well, you defrost them and you have to use them within one day. They've only got 24 hours yeah. before they completely decompose. Yeah. That's, Absolutely. I mean, that's another movie yeah. which we'll pitch next week. Definitely. Um, but anyway, this has been a bumper edition. We've talked <laughs> lots, not always about what we're supposed to have been, but we've covered a lot of ground today. Yes. Um, we're going to probably get next week back into slightly more um, obscure stuff or less mainstream stuff or less big budget stuff. Um, but as always, you'll come away with a review of a movie, ways to make policing better, and more importantly – a pitch for a dynamite action film that, that that has to exist in some parallel universe, even if not ours. Because if it doesn't, I don't think my heart could take it. And until next time, always, always look for the gravy. Oh, the gravy. The gravy.